Welcome to House of Herders podcast, discussing all things dog, from training to life experience. Your hosts today are Alana and Gemma. Let's get started. So what we're going to discuss today is what do you do if an off-lead dog runs at you? So you're just casually out walking your dog and the next thing you know you have an additional friend that you did not invite along. We see this question pop up so many times in so many different places on Facebook, on Reddit, on Instagram and even comes up quite a lot in our training sessions. So what is your first thought Gemma and what do you instantly think, shit what do I do? It's a tricky one isn't it and I think the first thing I always try to do is to remind myself not to panic um, and take a look at the dog that's approaching and try and work out what their intention is. So working out is that dog running at us in an aggressive manner and looks like it might be trouble for me and my dog or is it running over um, just wanting to play, just wanting to sniff, wanting to say hello and I think how I respond to that situation very much depends on um, which of those body languages I'm noticing from the dog. I think you're quite right there and we have to remember that we share the space with other people whether we like it or not, whether we like their behaviour or not, we still share that space. So I agree with you, the first thing I try and work out is intention. Now the intention doesn't necessarily make a difference if you're rehabbing a dog whether that dog's friendly or not friendly, you know, your dog could still be really scared. So let's have a little think about what would what would make us think that that dog was aggressive in the first place. For me, it would be, are they staring at me? Are they silent? That's, all, that's the one that always gets me. Are they making direct eye contact with me or my dog? Like, what, what kind of gives you the fear when you see it running at you, Gemma? Um, definitely those things that you've mentioned, but I think th- things like if the hackles are up, um, if teeth are out, um, that kind of posturing that we talk about with dogs where they're like making themselves as tall and as big as possible, um, and like quite stiff body language, I guess. Um, and it's not always, so I've had experiences in the past where there's been quite a uncomfortable or tense situation, I guess where a dog has rushed at us and then within a metre or so of us has stopped and then actually comes at us very slowly but with very stiff and um, uncomfortable body language and that's kind of been a precursor to them then um, kind of acting in an aggressive manner. So I guess it doesn't always look the same, that's the thing. No, that is that is very true. I think when that happens, that is when I go... Oh shit, (laughs) I need to protect my dog here and I need to protect myself mainly. But the thing is, I think it's really hard when you're in that situation and you're already quite panicked, a little bit stressed, to be able to read that other person's dog and be able to actually understand their intentions. So the next thing that I would do is actually look at my own dog. So as you know, I have three dogs and two of mine have previously been extremely dog reactive Now, even though they have their issues with dogs in the past, they can still read that other dog's body language. They can still tell, is that dog coming to harm me or is that dog just coming over to be a pest? And I do think I will look at my dog and I'll take my cue and my final decision from what they're doing and that's how I'll plan out how to cope with that situation. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I think I do something similar too. And I, I guess you're right in that it's not always easy to read someone else's dog's body language because it can be quite a personal thing. Um, so checking out your own dog, seeing how they feel about the situation is a good way to go. For sure. And I think that when a dog is coming at you and it is not looking good, it's looking quite sketchy, as you say, they're slowing down, they're moving at a very slow, intense pace, that is when you do need to think to yourself, I've got to protect my dog here. Regardless as to what you're training with your dog, regardless of where you're at progress-wise, that is when I start to think, shit, I need to do something. So online, there's a myriad of suggestions So one of the first ones that I'm going to share that I found really useful and I've only ever had to use it once and it was very effective and that was spinning a leash. So initially I was quite adverse to doing it because I just honestly thought, you know what, I've worked with dogs for nearly 10 years now, I have my own, that situation will never come. But it has and all that this method contained was carrying a spare leash with me and spinning it in a circle when the dog approached now I'll be quite honest I've only ever done it once and the dog was like what the fuck are you doing and it ran away and I was like thank god that worked it didn't offset my own dog at all but it did at least make me feel like I had control of the situation and I didn't have to get involved with that dog or anything that they were doing however it's not something that I would outwardly recommend but at the same token when the dog is coming at you with an intention it definitely made me feel more secure and safe to know that when I was carrying that that was at least there if I needed it not as a first go-to but if I needed it yeah that was a new one on me um when you mentioned it to me at first I hadn't heard about that one before and like you say it's not something I would use regularly or that I would would maybe use unless I felt like I really needed to but I can definitely see why it would work um I think I guess like in terms of your own dog too it's maybe a useful thing to get your dog used to something like that happening um like you spinning the leash not a dog running at you (laughs) (laughs) I just know with one of mine's I think you mentioned one of the things that that freaks out the the approaching dog is the noise um and I definitely know that one of my dogs would be really spooked by that himself. Um, so I guess it's just one of those things to bear in mind if you've got a dog that's a little bit spooky about stuff like that. Yeah, that is definitely true. I guess it just kind of comes under the same sort of ground in a way as the whole flexi leash debate. Like as a dog trainer, I use a flexi leash. You can shoot me now if you want. I don't. I don't really care to be honest. But my dog's old. She's eleven. I use a flexi with her, and it makes our life so much easier. For a long time, she couldn't get off leash. She also has dementia, I should add that. So for a long time, she couldn't get off leash because her behaviour just wasn't predictable and the flexi leash gave her the ability to do more stuff. And if she was on a leash, couldn't go on a long line because she has arthritis and it was really uncomfortable. But anyway, my point is, is what I've done with Holly is I took her to a really safe walking location and I dropped a leash. And I taught her how to feel comfortable with the flexi leash dragon. So I locked it in position and we just played. We played tug, we had food and I just left the whole thing dragging at a locked level. And to be honest, she's fine with it now. So I don't have any concerns that if she gets spooked and I dropped the leash, that that would be a factor in her running further would be the leash dragon because I've desensitised her to it. I've conditioned her to what to do when she hears it. And I trust her. Despite the fact she does have dementia, she always seems to catch on pretty well to stuff like that 
So for me, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I would just make sure that I took the right steps with my dogs in advance to kind of safety proof it, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And like we said, like it's not going to be something that you're doing regularly, hopefully. So um, <laughs> I think just in, in general, your dog knowing that they can trust you and what you're doing is, is a good way to go. Yeah, that's very true. And I think as well as dog trainers, you have a responsibility to your clients and to members of the public when you're giving this sort of advice. So you have to be really aware as to what you're saying and the outcomes that could come from that. So one of the ones that always gets me is people that shout abuse. So I will honestly say that in the past, this is something that I've done. I've been out with my dog and I have three dogs, as I've said, and somebody's dog runs at us like a Labrador. They're circling us. They're trying to get to the bait bag and they're just really in our face and I'm so frustrated and raging because I'm like, you're you're offsetting my dog's progress. We worked so hard in reactivity and now you're here being annoying and angering me and my dogs. So I started shouting at the owner, like, get your dog on a leash. Why is your dog not trained? Fuck's sake. But you know what? Like, that does not change anything. And I think as dog trainers, when we're working with people, we have to be so mindful of that. We have to be mindful of what we're shown to members of the public. If you're out there training a client, training a dog with your client and a dog runs at them and all you are full of is effing and blinding and cursing them, you're not really giving the best example to the owner you're working with. You're not giving the best impression to the other owner whose dog has just ran at you. I mean, let's be honest, they clearly need some training. So why are you burning yourself, you know? you've got to think of that side of it how you're perceived by the public but also I don't want to stress my dogs out even more if they're already stressed at the fact that this dog is running at us it's in our personal space the last thing I'm going to do is start shouting and add to that anxiety and add to that stress factor with my dogs absolutely and I think it's a stressful situation for everyone involved and I think we our concern is the dogs a lot of the time, but we do need to bear in mind that there's a human with that dog too. Um, and that the only way that we get dogs used to being out and about with us off lead and working on their recall is by letting them off the lead and allowing them to occasionally make mistakes. Mistakes happen. It's happened to me. I have been that person who has had my young dog out and the dog has decided oh, that person over the brow, that hill looks really interesting. I'm going to run over there. It was mortifying. I was really embarrassed. I was quite upset that I had let that happen. And for me to then catch up with my dog and have someone shouting abuse at me and being really quite upset with me doesn't really help my confidence levels or, or what's going on there either. So... I think obviously we we do expect people to be mindful of of others um, and try and keep their dogs under control but we do need to remember that people are on their own journey with their own dogs um, at different times and sometimes mistakes happen and we just need to try and be compassionate where we can be with people. Yeah I think that's very true and it's something that I guess is really hard to think about when in that moment in time you're just so frustrated and you're just so angry that this has happened and that this has invaded your walk but at the end of the day we do share these spaces with other people and it's something that we do always have to be aware of and at the end of the day you could drop your dog's leash and they could go running over to someone and that would be super embarrassing and super frustrating but we have to just accept that even as dog trainers these things happen 
doesn't make us bad dog trainers, but how we deal with it is really the crux of the issue for me. One of the other ones that I hear quite a lot of is pet corrector spray. Now, I'm, I'm in two minds about this one, to be honest. I think if a dog's coming at you with intent, a little spray bottle is not going to fix it. It's not going to stop anything. I don't think it's going to save your arse. But at the same token, it could just be enough to really change up that situation. But again, as Gemma's has already mentioned, we would need to ensure that our dogs are comfortable with that pet corrector spray. We would need to desensitise our dogs to that first and foremost before we could start taking that out. Otherwise, we're going to create a, si- a shit situation for everyone involved. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? Like, I remember the first time that I saw it suggested and it instantly got my back up and was like, oh no, that's a really bad idea. And I think it's just it's just that instant reaction that I had of it and I guess being the owner of a noise sensitive dog is is probably makes me a bit more sensitive to that but I can see the value in it too knowing that in situations that I've been in in the past where dogs have run at us I can think back and think if I'd had something like that and used it it probably would have helped and it might have stopped the other dog um so I do see the value in it. Um, it's just one of those ones, like you say, you'd have to be really careful with that you're not making an already stressful situation a little bit worse for your own dog. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a huge part of it is you need to really weigh up the situation and really think to yourself, is this the best option and is this the best choice? But if you think this is the right choice, then it is the right choice and that's fair enough. But again, as dog trainers suggesting these things to owners, we have to bear in mind that we don't want to be causing more issues, especially if that's like a five-month-old Labrador puppy. I keep referencing Labradors, like, can you guess which dogs run at me most? <laughs> what dogs have offset my dog training the most? I'm really sorry, Labrador owners. But, you know, your dogs just really like me for some reason. <laughs> but, yeah, there's no need to be picked in a five-month-old Labrador that just wants to say hi. Like, yes, it's annoying. Yes, it's frustrating. But it's not, it's not the end of the world. And I say that with the best intentions. And I know that will really aggravate some people. But... Like, it's okay. Sometimes these things happen and there's things that we can do to minimise the effect on our dogs. One of the ones, this is my husband's favourite actually, is he just picks the dogs up and walks away. (laughs) So, um, he will pick up our collies and just carry them away from the situation. It's It's not really fixing the situation, but it's also not making it worse. Like, he is stopping them from having a bad experience he is stopping any need to interact with other owners, having to have that awful discussion. He just lifts them up and walks away. Now, the reason that that could be so successful successful for him is because he's like six foot something. He's huge. And he's probably the same width. So like when he picks a dog up, dogs don't really tend to jump on him. So like for him, that's quite a safe option. But I've done it as well in the past. I've just lifted Oscar up and thought, you know what? This is going to fuck up my progress. Let's just get out of here. Let's just go. I've put him, on, put him under my arm and I've just walked away. And I guess I'm quite lucky that I have dogs that I'm able to lift. Like, I'm aware that if you have a big-ass German Shepherd, you can't just lift them up and carry them away. Like, I know that isn't suitable for everyone. But if you have, like, a Corgi or a Pomeranian, like a little herder, you can definitely lift them up and just get yourself out of that situation. Yeah, I can't say it's one that I've ever used, to be honest. Um, I think 
I'd rather not lift any <laughs> my, my two male dogs. Um, they're a bit on the larger side. Um, little Floss, my wee female, I could definitely lift her. Um, to be honest, it's just not been... Um, I've never really been in a situation where I felt like that would help. Um, doesn't mean I'm against it, I guess, like the situations that you're describing, and especially if your dog is quite small and you're worried that the dog that's approaching is very large um, and that they could even unintentionally hurt your dog, um, then lifting it up and getting it out of there is, is a good idea. Um, one thing to bear in mind, um, I've, I've actually noticed with one of my own dogs, um, is that some dogs get really quite... Um, I guess over aroused by seeing a dog being lifted and carried. Um, one of mine, I it was completely by accident that that I discovered this with him. Um, we were out with someone with quite a young dog. We had been walking, and they had had a sniff of each other, and then pretty much done their own thing and had a nice walk. And then we thought, okay, we've been walking for a while. The puppy's probably quite tired. Let's let's pick it up and give it a little carry for a while. And when they did that, all of a sudden my dog was bouncing on the ground trying to leap up at the puppy. And we were just like, what on earth? He's not paid it this much attention at all for the last 45 minutes. Um, and I have seen it with other dogs um, when I've been out and about and people have picked up dogs and then other dogs have been like, oh, what's going on there? And been bouncing around on the ground trying to figure out why that puppy's up there or why that small dog's up there. So that's just something to bear in mind too, um, especially if you're like um, out walking and you're thinking that might be something to consider. I guess it's you don't know how the dog is going to react. So it's not really something you can prepare for, unfortunately. I think that is definitely a valid point. And do you remember that TikTok that was going around? And it was the people with the German Shepherds and they were lifting up their Shepherds, mocking little dog owners that lift their little dogs up. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and while it was kind of comical, at the same token, like tiny dogs are tiny. Mm-hmm. Like I used to work with a Pomeranian. He was a miniature Pom, um, all the way from America actually. And we had to lift him up sometimes. Like he was tiny. He was like the same height as the dog's ankle, like a Ridgeback's ankle, for example. And I was like, you know what? This is the safest option for him. If he's jumping around, barking and getting all spicy because he's stressed that that dog's close to him, that isn't helping anyone having him on the ground feeling like that and behaving like that. So for him, it was easy enough to just pick him up and put him into our handbag. And that's what we used to do. It didn't solve the situation, but it did stop the dog being put into that situation that they felt worse. But no, you're right. I have I have seen that happen before. As a dog walker, even if you're walking puppies, like really young puppies, and you lift them up, you're just like, oh, wow, you find that kind of exciting to one of your other dogs. And you can work around that. And you can, you know, you can teach them to not be responsive to that dog being lifted. But I guess if a dog's running at you and you're outside and you're walking your dog, it's not really the ideal time to find out that a dog being lifted makes them go extra spicy. Like, it definitely has a risk. And I guess that, again, comes down to us having to clarify that when you're giving advice to your owners as a dog trainer, you have to be mindful of the consequences. So you can't expect every dog to be okay with your dog being lifted. You really have to read that situation well. And I don't think that there's any harm as a dog owner actually going out and reading up on dog body language, watching videos on YouTube, and actually finding out what is what does what mean? Like, what is body language? What is the difference between this and that? And I think it is something that we as dog trainers don't really teach our owners enough, is how to read other dogs, let alone their own dog's body language. 
Yeah, and I think, I, I don't know about you, but I've worked with some people who, when we've gone to train outdoors, it's been really interesting to see just how quickly they panic or they get really quite upset by the presence of another dog. And I honestly believe that a lot of that comes down to them just not being confident about how they can handle these types of situations and about not knowing what other dogs are intending when they're approaching. Um, And I think, yeah, you're right. It's we probably have a bit of a responsibility there to help owners with that. Um, It doesn't help if you, as soon as you see a dog on the horizon or over the other side of the field, you start to panic like that. That's not really going to help the situation either. So it's probably worth us having conversations with our clients about these are the things to look out for. Um, these are these are the behaviours, the body language, the things that might make you think, okay, what am I going to do in this situation? And what's the type of body language that if you see, you should probably go, okay, I don't really have to be too alarmed about this. <laughs> That's very true. And that kind of brings us on to our next point, which I know is one that you wanted to talk about. We see a lot about this on Facebook, on Instagram. And this is, it really frustrates me as well. And it's when trainers recommend that you throw food at the offending dog. So as that dog is approaching you, you throw food at them. Like there's just so many things that I think can go wrong from that situation. Like there's just so many reasons as to why I wouldn't do it. The first one for me would be what am I reinforcing? As I've already mentioned, I'm quite a geeky dog trainer. And I'm always really aware as to what I'm doing with behaviour. I'm always super aware, even when I'm walking my own dogs or my dog walking dogs, I'm always super aware that what I'm doing is influencing other dogs' behaviour and how they behave around me in the future. So for me, the last thing I'm going to do is throw food at an approaching dog, especially if they're not scared, especially if they're not being aggressive. If that's a fucking five-month-old Labrador going, hi, and I throw food at it, I mean, it's going to do it again, isn't it? Like, let's be honest, it's not really going to keep the dog away. If anything, it's going to make them go, you've got food. I want your food. And it's going to encourage them to continue that. I know that when you read these posts online, there's a lot of pressure from other trainers saying, no, it won't encourage that. Or it's okay, it will save you in that moment. But that moment is part of your future. Like, you're making these decisions. And as we've already discussed, reinforcement does drive behaviour. And if you're throwing food at an approaching dog, like course they're going to continue if you throw money at me every time I stepped into your zone I'd fucking do it again yeah and I think there's a lot of people that say oh it just buys you time like it gives you enough time while they're eating that food to get away and when I see people like that I just think how fast can you move (laughs) (laughs) because it's giving you what maximum five seconds if it's a dog that's just going to hoover up the treats that you've just thrown on the ground it's really not giving you time to get away but then like you're getting away with the food (laughs) like oh my god like they're going to start chasing me like think about how like we teach a recall and we teach engagement and like we're just like throwing food at this dog for staying on our tail like really really (laughs) yeah Absolutely. It's like they're going to scoff that food and then they're going to come back at you twice as fast because they've now learned that not only do you have a dog they want to say hello to, but you've got loads of food you're going to throw at them. 
Um, so it's just, yeah, for me, it's just not one of those ones that I would really be happy with in most situations. And I think as well, if we dive into it a little bit deeper, if the dog's running at you with intention, that food is not going to stop them. You know if you have a reactive dog yourself, that when they're over threshold, they're not going to take food. So as that dog is approaching you and they're already over threshold by slowing down and coming at you quite intensely, you throwing food is not going to change that situation. To be honest, it might even just aggravate the situation. The dog might get livid at you throwing things at them. But then we also have the flip side. If the dog's not aggressive, what if you make them sick? What if they have IBS? My dog has some, not IBS, I know your dog Travis has IBS. IBD. IBD. So when Holly's just very sensitive to certain foods. Like I remember when we done exclusion diet a few years ago, we finally found out that home-cooked food was better for her. And one night my husband came home. She'd been on a home-cooked diet for weeks and she was thriving, doing fantastic. And he gave her a chicken nugget and she couldn't walk. She was doubled over, her back was arched, her stomach was so sore. And that was her for about three days because he gave her a chicken nugget. So Holly's a very sociable dog. As I say, she is demented these days. And that does give us a higher risk that she may run at other dogs. So I'm very wary when she's off leash. But if she ran at a dog, it would not be with intent. She's just not that kind of dog. And somebody threw food at her because they were wary, which is fair enough. You know, I'm aware that their dog could harm her. That is why she's on a leash. However, if somebody threw food at her and it was chicken, like you fucked my dog up for three days. We share a space. It could be their dog that they drop the leash off tomorrow. And yet my dog's pain for that. Like, is that really necessary? And do you really want to be causing another dog pain to avoid a situation that there's so many better ways to avoid? Yeah, I think going back to what you were saying about it's not going to stop a dog who is running at you with real aggressive intent. I actually saw this on Facebook just, I think it was last week, And it was a woman posting in a a dog training group that I'm in saying that she'd been given this advice that if a dog is approaching you, you throw food at it. And she'd done exactly that and it didn't work. And it didn't work because the dog approaching them wanted to harm her dog. And unfortunately, that's what happened. And this is where I think we need to be really careful, like we've said continuously throughout this episode, in the advice that we give to people. Because that's a a real life example of a human being who was told one thing that would help um, and then tried that thing and it didn't help and they were really quite upset about it. Um, So I think it's just something to bear in mind as well. Um, And absolutely about about the possibility of making the dog ill, Travis cannot tolerate chicken at all. Um, As I said, he has inflammatory bowel disease um, and one of his big triggers is, is chicken. And I think we all know that most dog treats have chicken in them (laughs) unfortunately and even ones that say they're beef or say they're lamb and then you look in the ingredients and there you go there's chicken in it too um so if someone were to do that to us and threw food down for him and he ate it all he would be very unwell for a good couple of days and we would possibly require to give him steroids to get him over that which we don't like doing unless we really have to so yeah, it's not one that I like for, for many reasons. Um, and I guess if I was an owner in that situation who had a dog like that, I would quite understandably be upset about someone throwing down food for my dog to eat. And I think as well, sometimes these dogs run at you and it's not from any point of aggression. It's just because the owner doesn't realise that your dog could actually have a problem. Like, they just don't see it as problematic, which I know isn't okay. Like, I get that. But... 
you know, we, we will discuss some ways that we think are more beneficial. However, I think it's also worth considering at this point in time that you could actually make things worse for your own dog by doing this. And by that, I'm talking about resource guarding. So you might not even know that your dog's a resource guarder, especially if you live alone without any other dogs in your house, just your dog. There's a very high chance that you don't actually know that your dog has that as an issue. We often find it as dog walkers. As we've discussed, we both own dog walking businesses. And we'll often walk solo dogs and only discover once they're in a group that actually this dog cannot have food in the presence of other dogs. Or this dog taking food in the presence of other dogs is actually kind of risky because they're resource guarding. So you run a double risk here. You could either find out that your dog is actually resource guarding that food and then starts to resource guard you because you're sharing that food. And then your dog becomes the aggressor in that situation. But then what if that other dog is actually a resource guarder? And you've just threw food at them. And you're carrying food and your dog's with you. You could put your dog at so much risk from that. Like an insane amount of risk. Yeah, and imagine both dogs are resource guarders. <laughs> oh my god. What's that going to do? Um, yeah, again, using using dear old Travis as, a, as an example. I know that if... I were to throw food on the ground um, not far in front of him he would want to get to that food and he would want to stop anyone else from getting anywhere near that food so if I throw food down to an incoming dog that is going to make that situation 10 times worse with with that dog particularly and I think it's a point that isn't often made or often taken seriously I often read when people are suggesting this well, I don't care if that dog gets ill. I don't care if that dog feels a certain way. I just want them to get out of my dog's face. And that's very much understandable and I 100% appreciate the panic. But you also have to consider that you're making the situation worse on some occasions. As frustrating as that is and as much as you just want to create safety for your dog, if you're using food to make your dog feel safe, do you really think you're making it feel safe by throwing the food at the other dog? Like, really? Do you? Yeah, and I think the common theme with all of this stuff is that there are far too many variables for you to ever be fully prepared for it, for something like this. Um, you know, what your dog's like, what the other dog's like, what the intention is, um, all of that, far too many variables for you to always be prepared for this situation. And I think that's just something that we have to be honest about with owners and I don't know about anyone else, but I feel like sometimes owners expect me to have an answer for absolutely everything and to have a a scenario. If they present me with a scenario, I should be able to say, well, this is what you do in that scenario. And why I'm wary about that, that with this kind of scenario is exactly because of what I described earlier of a woman who'd been told one thing would work. She did the thing and it didn't work and it led to her dog being hurt and her being really upset. And I just think that that's a situation that we should really try and avoid. And I think just being honest with owners and saying, look, shit happens. Sometimes this is going to happen. Here are things that you can do, but they're not necessarily always going to work. There are ways that we can determine, is this dog going to be friendly? Is it not? And realistically, even if the dog is friendly and your dog is not friendly, that is obviously a huge factor that you need to consider. So one of the things that I like to do, and this is what I recommend to my clients to do, is to ignore everything else apart from your dog. Is to focus on your dog. That is all you're responsible for truly in this situation is your dog. And I firmly believe in do no harm. So in order to keep my dog safe and focus on my dog, 
I'm not going to intervene with that approaching dog. In the past, as a dog walker, I've done things like put my dogs in a sit state and went over and leashed that dog. But we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but one of the things that I find works the best with humans is rejecting them. I know this sounds really awful, but there was a study done recently and it proved that when somebody asked a question and if no response was given within four seconds, the brain automatically perceived that as rejection. And we all know as humans, rejection is one of the worst things to happen. It's just fucking awful. Like nobody wants to be rejected. So when a dog approaches my dog, I don't greet it. I don't tell it to fuck off. I ignore it and I ignore its owner too. Even if they're shouting, oh, he's friendly. I don't care. I really don't. So I'm not going to harm their dog. I'm not going to do anything to affect their dog. I'm going to go, you know what? I don't care about you. I'm going to focus on my dog and I'm going to start to ask him to offer me behaviours that I know make him feel good. That could be a middle position. It could be into the side. It could be doing the compass game where your dog goes behind you and you body block them from that approaching dog. However, trying to get your dog behind you, not pre-teaching that, can be really difficult and it can cause so much frustration in your dog and the other dog because you're now a barrier and that could put you at risk. However, if you've previously taught your dog, you've taught it maybe through gamifying training, you've taught your dog left, right, front and back and centre. You have all that to use. You can put your dog behind you and be safe in the knowledge that you can probably drop that leash and your dog's going to stay there. Will you body block that offending dog from heckling your dog? You can ask your dog to sit in a stay. Tie them around a tree if you need to. But I'd put my dogs in a sit stay, take their leash off, leash up the other dog and take it to the person if I feel that's necessary. If there's a five month old Labrador robbing me for food, that is what I'm going to do to be honest. I'm going to just get them out of my way. I'm not going to scream, I'm not going to shout. And I've been there, I've done that. And it just doesn't make it any better. It just encourages my dog to be further riled up and rectifies that, yes, you have a right to be angry in this situation. You probably do, but it's not going to fix it, is it? Like, we all know being angry doesn't solve anything, generally, unless you're going to put that anger into something good. So for me, I'll ask for a behaviour and then I'll deal with the situation from there. What about you, Gemma? Yeah, pretty similar to be honest. So we spoke earlier about how looking to your dog to see how they feel about the situation can be useful. And I think sometimes what I noticed when doing that is that my dogs just looked back up at me as if to say, <laughs> well, what we do, what are we going to do about this? Um, and I think being able to be calm in that situation and ask for some behaviours is something that's worked for me, to be honest. Um, 99% of the time. Just focusing, as you say, on you and your dog, on what you're doing. I've tried, um, mostly I will turn my back on the situation. So we'll use a let's go cue to get my dog to turn around. We turn in the opposite direction so that our backs are to the approaching dog. We move on. Um, We might do something like heel work or a little engagement game or something like that that gets my dog to focus on me and to think about what we're doing rather than the stress of an approaching dog. And nine times out of ten, I would say the dog loses interest. Like you say, the dog that's approaching, it's like, oh, they're busy over there. I guess I'll go somewhere else. And don't get me wrong, I think if if it's a dog who is going to be really interested in the fact that you've got food and then you're taking food out of your bait bag to do those games, then then that can be a different scenario. But 
that that's happened to me in the past and all I did was exactly what you said I popped my hand down put my hand on on the dog's collar and waited for the owner to catch up and handed them their dog back and that was the end of it and that can be super difficult to do if you've had a really bad experience before like we've all had bad experiences my own dog have been attacked in the past and to be honest screaming shouting throwing things it, it did not help the situation it really didn't what did help was being able to put my dog into a safe position and get the other dog to fuck quite simply that's what i found worked best it's absolutely awful at the time and you can't blame yourself for being stressed you can't blame yourself for panicking or for being anxious but if you pre pre-discuss this with your dog your partner whoever your dog trainer and actually think what should i do in that situation and have that plan in the back of your mind start even practicing it i firmly get it if you have a dog that is exceptionally reactive like maybe a big shepherd a big rottweiler or even like a little spicy palm i get how put them into a city might not help that situation but there are ways that you can use your training to effectively help your dog. And quite often you staying calm is the first step. You communicating to your dog, I've got this and I'm going to deal with this can be the best motivator to change their behaviour and change how they perceive incoming dogs. And that's part of your responsibility too, is how you make your dog feel. And by rising up your temperature, your anxiety, it's not going to help. So I do. I'm really well known for just putting my dogs that I walk professionally into a sit and shooing other dogs away. And if I can't shoo them away, I'll just turn into them and ask them, right guys, let's put your paws up. Good, well done. And sometimes that offending dog has a cheek to join in. And I'm absolutely livid, but you know what? Like, they're doing what I've asked. They've joined in. And I just accept it until the owner comes and I'm like, yeah, you owe me money for that. <laughs> this happens again, I'll be charging. And sometimes it's enough to make them realise, mm, shit, I need dog training. Like, I actually need some help with this situation. Like, this person can control their dogs and I can't control mine. And that's where the whole rejection thing comes in. By just not engaging with people, even if they're shouting at you, your dog's aggressive, my dog's friendly, your dog's an issue. I don't care. Like, I really don't care what you think. And all that I do in that situation is I focus on my dog and I continue despite my face going red my hands shaking I'm sweating I'm so stressed and I'm like I just want to knock you out I know that will not help so I just focus all of my attention onto my dog and as Gemma says bizarrely the other dogs do get bored and they'll just be like oh well there's no drama here for me and if you have a dog that's well practiced at running at dogs because other people are throwing food at them it's the best way to just bore them out and this is what we need to consider is that we but us throwing food to just buy ourselves some time, we could actually be creating huge issues for other owners and ourselves in the future. So yeah, for me, it's just simply a case of focusing on my own dog and explicitly ignoring that person. Letting them feel that wrath of rejection. And sometimes that is like the sweetest pill for me because I know it's horrible to say, but I'm just like, you will not do that again. You will learn from that because you now feel awful and I didn't have to say a word about it at all and I find as a professional dog walker focusing on my dogs has been one of the best ways to get the public to leave me alone but to also request training so if they see that I can control my dogs beat my personal dogs and my walking dogs they're more inclined to actually say to me how did you do that how did you make that happen Bruno wants to meet everyone and I can say well here's my details because my dogs are calm and I'm calm I can say here's my details get in touch when I'm not on the clock 
and then I can gain a client from it. But what I can also do is know that in the future that isn't going to be an issue. Yeah, I think we have to bear in mind when we're out and about in public that we're always, whether we're aware of it or not, projecting something about who we are and how we handle situations. And I think it's easy for us to say don't panic. And I, I know that it's not easy to do that in the situation, but... I have found that I've dealt much better with situations when I've acted exactly like you say. When I've focused on my own dog, when in my head I've been saying, you absolute idiots, you have no control of your dog, I really want to scream at you. <laughs> but on the outside, I'm cool, calm and collected. And then I just recover from that scenario a lot better. And I'm sure my dogs do too. And I think just being able to do that is is a huge skill. And I remember like noticing people like you Lana doing it or noticing other trainers from from I was early on in my training and thinking wow I wish I could act like that I just panic and I get in a fluster it is something you can learn like it's something that you develop the confidence to do and that you can learn to do you don't always have to be flustered by these situations and one of the things that that we mentioned earlier about throwing food at the dog and Lana about how you just said about how we don't know what the consequences of that are. I think one of the things we need to remember too is that what works for us as dog trainers doesn't necessarily work for our clients. So one of the things about throwing food at the approaching dogs that I have a big problem with is that the fact that it encourages that dog then to approach people because your clients are going to be seeing the same owners and the same dogs all the time. They're going to be doing the same walks and coming across the same people in the same locality. So a one-off might not teach an approaching dog that to go and follow people for food or that others are going to throw food at them. But if you're meeting that same dog every day and that dog's running at you every day and you're throwing food at it every day, very quickly that's going to become a habit and you're going to be inadvertently reinforcing that. So I think it's just bearing in mind that okay, maybe we have the luxury of we can go to different places every day with our dogs or we do different walks and we maybe don't walk the same place more than once a week. But I would say the vast majority of my clients have routines and that they do the same walks every day. So I think it's just worth bearing that in mind when we give them advice about this type of stuff. Yeah, most definitely. And I guess from this we can also look at the side of what if the dog you're walking is aggressive? What if you're concerned that they're going to bodily harm another dog that encroaches on their space? Well, I have Holly. And Holly went through a stage where I couldn't trust her around people or dogs. This is probably just before we found out she had dementia. So maybe about the year before. She went from being exceptionally sociable and very people friendly and dog friendly to being very unpredictable. And what i done is I muzzled my dog. I put a muzzle on her. And I got quite a lot of clap back from that from the dog training community that I'd chosen to put a muzzle on my dog who generally wasn't that aggressive. But I knew that there was a risk that if that Labrador puppy ran and jumped on her and they touched one of her sore bits on her back, she was in, she was inhibited. Is that the word? In, inhibited? Basically, her inhibitions were shit. So I just didn't trust her to be able to control herself in that situation. So I put a muzzle on her. Yes, it meant that I took the control away from her. I stopped her from being able to protect herself. 
But you know what? It took the stress factor away from me. I was no longer stressed what she was going to do. It then meant that I could say, actually, you know what? I'm going to tie you a tree and I'm going to go deal with this fucking dog. And that allowed me the confidence to do that. Yeah, it was super stressful. I'm not going to lie. I hated the fact that she was muzzled. I hated that I couldn't play toggy with her. But you know what? She trusted me implicitly to deal with that situation. She's now unmuzzled 90% of the time, which is fantastic. And when we do see dogs coming, she looks at me and she's like, what do you want me to do? Nine times out of ten, if that dog's off leash, I'll just let her off leash and let her deal with the situation as a dog. Dogs tend to understand communication of their own kind a lot better. But if that's not suitable for you, you can't let your dog approach other dogs. You can keep your dog safe by muzzling them. And by them being able to place them somewhere that keeps them safe, will you deal with the offending situation? Have you seen the muzzles from the muzzle movement, Gemma? Mm-hmm. They're so good. They're like really, really big. I'll need to put a picture of this somewhere. And they have this huge hole for feeding. So you can get your dog's food in. You can get a tuggy toy in there as well. And your dog can still be heavily reinforced through that muzzle. So if you have a dog that is aggressive and that you are working through situations by using food with them, Looking into a really high quality muzzle isn't going to reduce your training. It's not going to make your dog worse and it's not going to make your dog look dangerous, but it's going to keep them safe. And see, when you know that your dog can do no harm, it's like a weight off your shoulders. And I say that as somebody who has two dogs that were previously, well, probably actually three dogs that at different points in their lifetime have been classed as aggressive dogs. And muzzles have been a godsend in those situations. They've kept my dog safe and have allowed me to effectively reinforce what needs to be reinforced. But most importantly, keep them and other dogs safe. Yeah, and I think we talk a lot about how we want to empower our dogs to be able to communicate and to be able to handle situations on their own. But sometimes that's just not going to happen. Like you say, if you've got a dog who might bite or snap because the dog is approaching them we kind of have a responsibility to manage that um and I think we also have to weigh things up too so yes okay we've maybe taken away the option for them to turn and bite which is a form of communication but that's not necessarily a bad thing because if the dog approaching is going to be freaked out by your dog snarling and wanting to bite then that works for them. Okay, that dog goes away. But what if it doesn't? There is the chance that the dog approaching sees your dog getting their teeth out and getting ready to bite and they think, okay, game on. Let's have a fight. And so I think having your dog muzzled and knowing that that's not an option is the much better out of those two scenarios. And I know that me and you, Lana, have talked a lot in the past about how difficult it is when a dog learns that biting works. And what you don't want to is to have a dog that learns that when they turn and snap and bite at another dog, that it gets them what they want, which is the other dog moving away. Yeah, that's a very true fact, Gemma. Once aggression is used, it is very hard to then convince your dog that it's nicer to be nice. If aggression works, then it's the quickest option, isn't it? Quickest solution. I think it's really important, though, to really reiterate, we're not taking away your dog's rights. We're not saying, tell your clients to muzzle their dog and grin and bear old Rufus and his border terriers that want to maul your dog. We're not saying that. But what we are saying is that the dog that you're with is the dog that you're most responsible for, but that doesn't mean that you can put other dogs at harm just because they're fucking up your day. So I'm really sorry that we don't have any, you know, proper answers as to this will guarantee to work. 
But from my experience and all the dogs that I've trained and worked with, training my dog to focus and trust me has been the best thing I've ever done. And to this day, it still works a charm. It does. And I think there's nothing quite like that moment when you see an excitable, bouncy dog leaping its way towards you and you think, oh, here we go. (laughs) And you get your dog into the side and you start playing an engagement game or you do something with them to get their focus and they can't take their eyes off of you. And the other dog comes and they bounce about and your dog's like, whatever, because I'm focused on my human. This is what we're doing. And then that dog loses interest and it bounces off. The absolutely amazing feeling I felt of success the first time that I did that and it worked was awesome and now as I say I use it all the time and it works and that's not saying that it's always going to work like we said shit happens um it might not happen to work in another scenario but so far it's turning out pretty good and I think that's where some people say why would you teach a dog obedience don't need obedience they need to be desensitized and they need to feel comfortable in a situation of course they do but your obedience can get you there a little bit quicker than just pinging treats left right and center that's kind of how i feel is best to do it so yeah we hope you've enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to any further conversation that you have on this <laughs> bye. bye well that's us reached the end of the episode already Dog training is forever evolving and we strive to keep an open mind and the dogs at the centre of everything that we do. You can find us across social media platforms using our tag at House of Herders and we would love for you to join in that conversation with us. Until next time, bye!